So part of our covenant service, um, we have a, traditionally there's two readings that we have, one from Jeremiah, so hopefully that'll come up on the screen in a second. This Jeremiah 31, verses 31 to 34, and it says, The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, Know the Lord. Because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. Because they will all me. They will, oh, that's the end of it, isn't it? Yeah, that's all right. I got started going to look there. That's good. Going round and round. It's also reading from Romans. Um, I'll come up in a second. There we go. It's a short one. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. These exciting verses, aren't they? Very challenging. And I'm sure when the people who read them in the first century and in the time of um, Jeremiah were just as duly challenged by those words. In fact, they tried to, to stone Jeremiah to death many times and put him down a well because of the, the words that he was giving people with a challenge to reform and change their ways. I mean, the reading to from Jeremiah is to an unfaithful Judah. There was the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah, which represented God's people, but Israel had already been taken into captivity, into Assyria, and the people of Judah were living on borrowed time before God. And God was calling them to repent. He said, if only you repent and follow my ways, if only you repent and turn and give give your heart back to me, if only you would do justice and do right things, if only you would love and care for each other, you would care for the alien and love your neighbours and, and not rob people and, <laughs> and, and be just and be right and be caring and bring hope and bring joy into this kingdom and this situation, this place. Follow my ways, do my will. Don't live for yourselves, but live for my purpose and my desire. Then I'll let you live in this land. That's amazing because throughout the book of Jeremiah, God's, um, Jeremiah is telling them how God's going to take them out of the land, how God's going to punish them. But there's one part where he says that in, in chapter 3 where you can live in this land if you turn back to me. In chapter 3 it says, I gave faith 
faithless Israel, her certificate of divorce and sent her away because of all her adulteries. Yet I saw that our unfaithful sister Judah had no fear. She also went out and committed adultery because Israel's immorality mattered so little to her. She defiled the land and committed adultery with the stone and wood. In spite of all this, her unfaithful sister Judah did not return to me with all her heart, but only in pretense, declares the Lord. The people at the time of Jeremiah, they, they worshipped God, they made sacrifices, they went to the temple, they were good Jews and, and did everything that was required of them, but when they left the temple and went back to their own lives, they lived as they want to live and didn't follow God's ways or commands. And God said to them, you know, I want more. I want more from you than than just religion and and just giving me sacrifices and and coming before me. He said to them, you know, I want I want you to return to me with all your heart, and not only in a pretense. Says the Lord. What does that mean to return to the Lord with, with all our heart? We're not in a pretense. Sometimes we're genuine. We want to return to the Lord with all our heart, don't we? But then it becomes a pretense. <laughs> it's a desire. We want to return to Him with all our heart. We want to love Him and serve Him. We want Him to be the focus of our lives and our desires. But sometimes we don't have the discipline or the commitment or things in life take over, don't they? And we... We get diverted and distracted away by many, many things that come into our minds and situations and challenges and bumps in the road that that take us on a way that we come to church, we live our life, we follow God, but much of it is is pretense, maybe good <laughs> good meaning pretense, maybe good focus pretense and and aspects of that, but it can become a pretense where we wear a mask of being a follower of Christ. Of being in love with God. But the thing is, all our people don't see our hearts, don't they? They can see the pretense and think actually, that's a person who's holy and good and, and just and living right. But God sees our heart. God knows who we are, our deepest desires. God knows our intentions and what our desires are to serve Him. And God calls us to offer him a spiritual worship. A worship of the circumcised heart. That, that God doesn't make us robots, but he calls us into covenants. He calls us into an agreement with him. A covenant agreement to love him, to serve him, to desire him, to have a hunger for his presence and his hope and his love. Covenants, like we say the covenant prayer tonight, or we said this morning, you know, it's not forced on you. <laughs> it's voluntary. God is not going to force anything on you. He wasn't going to force anything on the people of Judah to worship Him or do things right. He was giving them His ways, His commands, how, he must follow, how they must follow Him and obey Him. And He said, Will you do it? If you do, I'm going to bless you. 
I'm going to bring you fulfillment. I'm going to let you live in the land. You're going to experience milk and honey and prosperity and joy if you don't. Then that's a very different path that you're going to walk down. And life's going to be very different. And judgment and difficulty are going to come your way. And so when we come to covenant, we're asking ourselves, where is, where is my heart? Where is it focused? Where is my desires? Where is my spiritual life? Where is my relationship with God? Every year we can come with the best intentions to say the covenant prayer and it makes no difference at all. (laughs) But should it make a difference if we come and make a covenant with God and say, God, I'm saying these words to you. I'm coming here and saying I'm no longer my own. I'm yours. Use me as as you will. Put me to what you will. To suffering, to hope, to put me to put me to things when I don't have anything, and put me to things when I have everything. Put me to serve you when I'm suffering and in pain and hurting, and grieving and despairing. Put me to serve me, serve you when I'm in joy and hope and, and blessed. God, just use me because I'm yours, because you love me. In Jeremiah, for all his despairing and misery and, and pain and loss and, <laughs> and depressing the people all the time, his, his message was a message of love. God is a loving husband to Israel who calls out to them to recognize the love he has for them and to walk in his ways because they'll find blessing in his ways. To walk in his way because they'll find joy there. To walk in his way because they'll find hope. To walk in his way because they'll find restoration. To walk in his ways because they'll find community. They'll find righteousness. They'll find joy. They'll find love. They'll find meaning in life if they walk in God's ways. To stand at the crossroads. To look at the old pathways. To look at the ways that God has trodden the path, the things that God has done, the way that God has blessed us. And God says, what I did for Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, what I did for Moses, what I did for David, what I did for Solomon, I will do again. What I did for John Wesley, (laughs) I will do again. Because they're my past, they're my ways. My ways are a revival, renewal and blessing and anointing and power. But are you willing to make the sacrifice? To make that a reality? And the sacrifice is to see a loving Father in heaven who loves you and give your life to him. And say, teach me your ways. Give me your presence. Let me see your glory. Let me walk in your paths. Let me have the life that you desire for me. And that life starts with, like Rob was saying, it starts with a little step, doesn't it? 
It makes that little step of discipleship and commitment and say, today, God, you have my life. I don't know about tomorrow. (laughs) I can't get that far. But today, you have got my life. At this moment, you have got my life. And help me to be focused and disciplined and strengthened that tomorrow when I wake up, I can say, I've taken that next step, but you have my life. And I'm committing my life to prayer, to fasting, to seeking your presence, your glory in my life, to see you working through me, to bring transformation in our church, in our community, in our world. That as I live in your presence and in your glory, that you bring transformation and change. It's like Rob said, he's learned not to worry, but I'm sure he was on his knees when he learned not to worry. (laughs) And the place that you learn not to worry is on your knees, isn't it? And the place you learn not to worry is when you're there on your knees and you're praying to God and you're saying to God, you take it all, God, you take it all, you take the pain, you take the heart, you take the suffering, you take the doubts, you take the fears, you take the worry, you take it, God. I'm on my knees before you, God, you make the way. You transform the situations. You open the doors. You bring the opportunities. God, you do it. Do it your way, not my way, because my way is going to be rubbish, God. Do it your way. And as we're on our knees, and, and our hearts may be still worrying, but we're saying, God, I'm just giving it all to you. Giving it all to you. And when I give it all to you, I can wake up tomorrow and I can say I can live for you because I'm not living with all this rubbish, all this worry, all this loss, all this pain that's in my life. I'm living for you because you take that burden from me. Isn't that amazing? We've got a God who wants to take our burdens. Isn't that how much do we carry our burdens when he says my yoke is light? But to die to ourselves is difficult, isn't it? I like myself. I don't know about you. Sometimes I don't like myself. Sometimes I like myself. Because some days I really don't like myself. And other days I, I come. I'm all right. Yeah, I can cope. There's, there's some days I could be. I wish I was. There's some weeks I could wish I was another person. But <laughs> I don't know about you. But uh, you know, I'm not always sure about my relationship with myself. And sometimes it's my relationship with myself that affects my relationship with God. <laughs> And so I get in the way with my relationship with God because I'm not sure about myself. But who cares about me? I really don't want to live anymore. I'm tired of living. I've had enough of it, really. It's a bit boring, isn't it? It gets about the same all the time, doesn't it? Wake up, do the same thing, go to work, do that. It's a bit boring, isn't it? I want to have encounters with God. I want to wake up and... And go to work and do things and God's just breaking out and breaking forth and God's breaking into situations and, and there's the unknown, the, the, the challenges, the difficulties, the joys, the hopes, the, the power of God moving His Spirit, transforming things. That's what I see as I live and move and let God live in me and not worry about me but worry about, but live for God and let God move. But I need to keep reprogramming my brain to think that way because every time I wake up in the morning I live for me. <laughs> But the covenant prayer says, I am no longer my own. 
I'm yours. Do you know people spend years doing mindfulness just to get to that point? <laughs> you spend hundreds of money on gurus and teachers and trainers and do yoga and do lots of things to realize I'm no longer my own. I'm yours. I'm, there's something greater than me. You know, that actually I shouldn't be a selfish person and be self-consumed, but I should, should give something to the world and others that, are, that, that blesses and is good and not be self-consumed, you know. Executive pays thousands of pounds. You know, this and if you want to get into business, go to big executives and train them how to not be selfish. <laughs> but the Bible and John Wesley from the very foundation of Methodism says it's not about you at all. Nothing to do about you. When you accepted Christ, you died. You don't exist anymore. Gary doesn't exist anymore. Gary's not here anymore. Gary's dead. Because I died when I accepted Christ in my life. I died to who I am and, and rose and lived in Christ. Were you baptized? When you were baptized, you died to yourself. When you came out of that water, you were alive in Christ, weren't you? You gave your life when you went to that water. You said, I'm dying in that water. When I come out, I'm coming out as Christ in me, Christ living in me. I'm coming out as, as Christ living in me. And I died to my life. Now my life's in Christ. It's terrifying, isn't it? It's terrifying. You know, we can be glib about it, but you know, we get people and we get them to accept Jesus and we get them baptized and they go into the water and say, I'm, I'm dying to myself and sins and I'm, I'm rising to a new life in Christ, but that new life means dying to yourself. Isn't that exciting next year what it's going to look like as we all die to ourselves? And as Christ lives in us. And where we can come back next year and say, you know what, I'm, I'm really no longer my own. <laughs> I'm his. I'm his. I belong to him. I'm no longer doing my own will. I'm doing his will and his purpose. I'm no longer living for, living for, longer, no longer living for my desire, my satisfaction. I'm living for his desire. Satisfaction. I don't know what that looks like, and it's scary. And there's no plan, there's no purpose, there's no scheme, there's no program, there's no clear answers, there's no clear directions, but just trusting that He has something good for me. And that good may mean I have to go through suffering. That's not very good, is it? He's a difficult God, isn't He? Tell you, it doesn't make it easy. I've got something good for you, but you've got to go through suffering. You ready for it, Pauline? <laughs> I've got something great for you, but you've got to go through challenges and difficulties. I've got something amazing for you, but actually you might have nothing at the end of it. Oh, <laughs> that's great. Thank you, God. That this because says you'll have me. And you'll know me. And have a deeper understanding, a deeper blessing than you ever had before. And you'll be in a deeper relationship with me. And you don't need anything else when you have me. Because you can have everything in the world and have nothing. You can be the richest person in the world and be the loneliest person in the world. In the Western world, people have everything. Yet the levels of depression and despair and suicide have never been higher, have they? You think the more we get, the happier we are, aren't we? But the more we get, the more we want. The more we desire. There's always somebody who has more than us, isn't it? There's always something in our lives that we can look back on and think, oh my goodness me, if i just done that, made that investment, bought a Bitcoin. 
and my life would be different now. But if we look back and say, rather, if I'd lived for Christ and died for myself 20 years ago, what would my life look like? Don't look back in a year's time and say, I made that, I made that confession tonight. I made that covenant with Christ tonight. I'm no longer my own. I'm yours. Don't look back and regret it another year and say, I didn't mean it. I had a good intention, but my heart wasn't in it. I really wanted that to be true, but there was too many challenges and difficulties, so I didn't go down that route. I gave it up. As Julian says this morning, the Christian life is not an easy life, and sometimes actually to make the choice to follow Jesus means suffering. They didn't say, take up your cross and follow me for nothing, did they, really? It's not a... Yes. This wasn't a gold cross around your neck either. It was a, It means that to follow him, walk that difficult path of self-sacrifice, of dying to yourself and doing God's will, of saying, God, do I have to drink that cup of suffering again this year? <laughs> do I have to drink it, God? Do I have to drink it? Really, do I have to drink it? Is there not another way? But your will be done, not mine's. And then we look at the great saints of the church, Luther and Calvin and Wesley and all these different people. You know, most of them died with nothing, didn't they? But the legacy they left because they, they had nothing in this world, but they had everything in eternity because they lived for God. And the legacy they left is incredible. Because for them, these words meant something. These words transformed something in them that said, today I walk away and I'm going to be different. And I'm going to be changed. And But the enemy, the devil doesn't want to see us transformed and changed, does he? And so he's going to bring everyone against us to think, Arr! And give in to our nature and our sinfulness and our bitterness and our anger and our despair and our hopelessness. And we have to say, no, I resist that in Jesus' name. I'm going to be a different person. I'm going to be transformed. I'm going to be renewed. I'm going to have Christ living in me. And I'm going to try every day to live this out. To every day to say, I die to myself. I live for you. Every day I'm no longer my own. I'm yours. Can we say that every day? Can I send you a text message every day? you can say I'm no longer my own I'm yours I'm yours God I'm yours God what does it mean when you walk up wake up in the morning and say I'm yours God I'm yours God I'm yours God what does it mean does it mean anything it's just like oh goodness me more church (laughs) but it means a relationship your heart connected to God's heart. That God just doesn't want us to have a heart of stone. He doesn't want us to know him by religion or rituals. Or sacrifices. Or, but he wants us to have a personal relationship that we know him. 
and love him and walk with him in a powerful, incredible way. Isn't that amazing? That's all God wants. He says, I want a relationship with you. And we go, no, thank you. <laughs> Got too many relationships. That church keeps me so busy. <laughs> God just wants a relationship with you. And what do you do in a relationship? Well, you try to. Anyway, I don't know about yours, but you try and talk, don't you? I remember one person said, oh, if, I, if I play, he said, Pastor, if I play computer games um, for three hours every day, will it affect my marriage? I said, not initially. <laughs> <laughs> but there's things and habits in our life that will affect our relationships. And if, if there's things in your life that take you away from God, we have to put them aside because it affects our relationship. We have to commit those times and those hours to God, to prayer, to seeking Him, to fasting, to, to knowing Him in a deeper way that His presence will pour and move out through us. And we say to God, you do it. You change it. You bring revival. You bring renewal. You bring awakening. You change Darby God. You do it. Because I'm just asking because I know you can do it. I can't do anything. So what's the point of me trying? You do it. You do it, God. I'm just seeking you. I want a relationship with you so you will listen to my heart and know that I'm genuinely seeking you and desiring you and desiring this purpose and will. I know your heart is to renew and change and bring salvation. So God, do it, God. Because you know I love you. Because we have a relationship. So you ready for that relationship to go in a deeper way this year? Amen. Yeah, you look excited, tired. It's been a long day, hasn't it? God is good. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for your presence, your, your glory, your love. We thank you for Jesus Christ. Lord, help us as we make this covenant prayer commitment that you will be with us and guide us and, and shape us and renew us, Lord, that we might be challenged to, to love you in a deeper and more powerful way, Lord, that you will renew that relationship with you tonight, Lord, as we say these words and as we leave this place Lord that something will come on in our brains and our hearts and our minds that will just be transformative and changing and life giving Lord that Lord that you won't be angry or upset at us because our hearts desire other things other than you but Lord you will shine upon us with love because our hearts are turned towards you so turn your face upon us Lord that we may see your love and that we may love you back in Jesus name Amen